prayer, prayer. <laughs> we all pray. We all pray. We all pray. But the thing is that sometimes some of us feel like giving up simply because we think oh, our prayers are not being answered. Or it's taking a long time and all sorts. So today we'll be looking at the barriers and hindrances to prayer. The thing is that I've taught on various aspects. I'm not saying we have exhausted everything about prayer. But where we are bringing it to a stop um, today to continue on something else, God willing, as He gives us grace together again. I want us to understand that if this that we want to share today is ignored, then really basically everything of our prayer that we've been teaching about will be having a big problem because you can pray for five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, two hours. You can stand in prayer and sometimes you'll be amazed to know that nothing is happening. But why is it so? And so, we need to come to a place where we shift from religion and shift from just excitement and shift uh, from what you think in your own mind, what you think should be done and begin to walk in accuracy. And accuracy in God's word. Please, Church, I want you to understand something. The Pharisees were using the same Talmud. Okay? The Pharisees were using the same books, the written word, or the scroll, as we call it. But they were looking at the letter of the word, and it was not bringing them any impact or changing them. And Jesus was speaking the truth of the word, and yet they were fighting with him. So it is not about what you think you know, but walking in accuracy. And a lot of us are not walking in accuracy. To be honest with you, you know the Pharisees and many of the people in the days of Jesus. Church, please. They were accusing Jesus that he was teaching things falsely, or you name it, all sorts. And they were accusing him and saying all sorts of things because Jesus was not living according to their standard, how they think God should be viewed and how God should be seen. Are you here with me, church? <laughs> and if you come to the place whereby you think like that and you walk like that because someone, in your view, in your thoughts, in your way, is not walking according to how you want to Position, place, or put that individual in a particular place, you know, because of that, the person is, 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 is like, like the Pharisees. They were not seeing the Lord in that manner. So they rejected everything that he had to bring to them. And yet they had the scroll with them. He would read from the scroll. He would go to the house of the Lord and read from the scroll. And yet they, they had the scroll all throughout but could not perceive the truths of God's word. When he was bringing it to them, they even had the audacity to condemn him 
and say, oh, to the extent that at a point they said that he was filled with the spirit of Beelzebub. That is to their understanding. <laughs> they thought Christ had not come to their level. And so, Proverbs 19, 2 and 3, talks to us about the fact that what will help the soul. Please listen. This is very important. Look, it says, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Basically, saying that the soul without knowledge, basically, you can begin to do things and move in a dimension and move in areas and spheres that you think you are right. But you may not have knowledge. And so Apostle Paul, I think in 2 Corinthians, was chapter 8, verse, um, uh, 2 Corinthians um, chapter, no, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and um, verse 1, 2 to 3. Apostle um, um, Paul writing to the, to, to, the Rome, to the Romans told them this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now watch this, that they might be saved. And then he says from verse 2, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Are you watching this? They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So they had a zeal. Oh, is the church here with me? They had a zeal. They had zeal. And sometimes we have zeal. Zeal, want to do this, you want to do that. But you see, even in your zealousness, you can do things outside the way and the will of God. Read the Old Testament. At a point, even when David was bringing the ark, the zeal of bringing the ark, not bringing it in the correct manner, something had to happen. You've all read the scripture. Amen? When the, the sons of Sceva, uh, no, 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 the other... Um, Hophni and Phinehas, I think, when they, uh, they brought, I think it was them, they brought uh, an offering unto the Lord that, 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 that was defiled. We all knew what happened to them. So you may have a zeal, but if you don't move in knowledge, in accuracy, you come to a place that you frustrate yourself and you do things outside the will of God. That is why many say things and do things and, and go about the kingdom and we, we, we don't really move in the dimensions and the accuracy of how God wants us to. And so prayer is something that we all do. Something that we, we all engage in. Every one of us needs prayer. And we all do pray. But I've been teaching on prayer. But I'm saying that I want to share these things with you. And please, 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 I want us to take note. Because the embodiment of everything that I've been teaching all these last few weeks. If we don't get this then our prayer is going to be found sure. Amen? Because there are certain things that can hinder our prayers um, in order for them not to be answered. And the adversary makes it um, his business to see that the prayers of individuals and even the body of Christ, you know, is ineffective. And the only way to do that is to come to a place to make sure that we are found wanting in these areas. The Bible says that we are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. At the same time, it says that we, should be, we, should, we shouldn't be taking advantage of Satan. But somehow, we have become very ignorant, or we know, 
but we have decided not to adhere to the promptings of the Spirit, and we have been taken advantage by the enemy. A story is told of a young boy who went to the local store with the mom. And as they were standing there, there were these sweeties um, uh, uh, in, 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 in bowls um, on the shelves where the store owner was. And the store owner, you know, asked some elderly people, you know, who, you know some, obviously not everyone, because some would like to sell. But the man was saying that, young boy, help yourself, help yourself. And the young boy, all of a sudden, you know, was just standing very in a shy mood. And so when they stepped out, of course, the man, the, 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 the shop owner decided to dip his hand in the bowl and gave it to the mom so that he gives it to the young boy. So when they stepped out of the shop, the mother of this young boy asked him, why is it that all of a sudden he became too shy and didn't, you know, um, take any of the sweeties as the man was offering and he said, Mom, that man's um, hands are bigger than mine. That is to say that because his hands are bigger, when he dips his hand in the bowl, he can give me more than my little hands. Amen? So we pray, we know that God's hands is bigger. And when we go to him, he can be able to give us, that's why he says that he is able to give us exceedingly abundantly above even that which we ask. He knows us. So prayer is very important. But then there are aspects where the enemy sometimes would like to stop shop. Amen. So that we don't receive what is ours. And today I want to start, number one, with one of the barriers or hindrances to prayer as unconfessed sin. Number one, unconfessed sin. A story is told of a man who was in a severe storm. So Jesus preached mostly in parables. And today, Pastor is bringing a lot of stories. Amen. He was in. He had moved to another sector of the of the of town, and there was such a severe storm, such a way that. You know, the winds were about 70, 70 to 80 miles per hour. All sort of things were happening. And of course, he wanted to alert his mother and, 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 and siblings at home about what was happening. And so that they will um, begin to prepare and take care of themselves. And thus, he picked up his phone, of course, to call home. The phone did ring. The younger brother did pick up the phone. And as they were talking, because of the winds, the storm, the, I mean, the chaos all over, as he was talking with them, somehow the phone became a bit static. And with time, the line went dead. And he was not able to communicate to his younger brother um, about the severe storm and all that was happening. And of course, they had to go through a whole lot of problems and issues you know, the things that they faced because he couldn't communicate the message that needed to be communicated to, to them. What I'm trying to really share with us is that 
Sometimes in our situations, in our circumstances, when we want to communicate, there are things that block the line, like the severe storm, the severe winds, and the things that block the communication between ourselves and God. And so the dangers are not being able to relate to Him. And church, I want us to look at these things because they are very important. Amen? Psalm 66 and verse 18, if you will. Psalm 66 and verse 18, and then straight away after that we'll go to Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, now watch this. If I regard, let's look at some, um, some um, 66 verse. Psalm 66, verse 18. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not. Oh, let's, let's read it together. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Again. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I'm going to come back to this. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. And I want us to read that. So the first one is unconfessed sin. Amen. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither his, his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Then what is the reason? Verse 2, he says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Amen? Now, we go back to Psalm 66 and verse 18. And when any time the... Scripture talks of iniquities, iniquities or wickedness and sin. You know, it's before us like that. In like the scriptures that we have read, especially if I regard, he says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You see, that word regard there in the Hebrew is ro'ah, right? Ro, basically say raw. you and I will say raw or ro'ah. Okay, and you see, that word, as you study it, and as I'm saying, that's what I was sharing with you. We need to let the soul have knowledge, not just what you call it, you know, faith, hope. Then we, because people do all sorts of things and later realize that some of the things we are doing were not in accurate um, um, standing with God's word. Amen? Are you catching what I'm sharing with you? Sometimes God in his own ways allows some things to do on, but we can't continue to walk in inaccuracy with God. So we need to make sure that we, we study, as God's word says, to make sure that we are workmen, okay, well approved. Amen? That word is saying that if I regard iniquity, if I regard, that is raw R, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That word regard there is if I see or to regard is to see, to enjoy once, um, that is once laying something once upon one upon another um, or mark or keeps keeping something near or something that is, can be seen or something that is exhibited, to exhibit something, all right? You are always exhibiting that. It is so near. You are keeping one thing upon the other. You see it. God says that once you are seeing that thing within your sphere, 
Once you are exhibiting that, once it is, it, you are, it, you are, it's so near to you, always it's before you, God is saying that once that sin is constantly in your presence, in your sphere, in your mind, whatever that he is, God says that unconfessing keeps him not hearing from you. Are you hearing what I'm sharing with you? That's very powerful. He says, if I regard iniquity, if I regard, that is, if you are constantly seeing, regard, regarding it, you are cherishing it, you are keeping it, one, one upon another, you see it, you are enjoying it. Again, another word is to enjoy, or you've marked it. And for many of us, there are some things that are marked before us. Some things that are exhibited all the time. Some things that are so near, we are not allowing it to go. Some, some things that are constantly befalling us, we've marked it. And because something that somebody did, or whatever you are enjoying, whatever you are doing, you don't want to let go, you don't, you, 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 your, your hope is in it, you, are, you like it so much, you, 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 you feel it is so sweet, so good, so nice, and yet you rise up in His presence and to lift up your voice to pray. God says that once you are regarding that iniquity in your heart, he will not hear you. That is why he says his hands are not too short, neither his ear. Um, what do you call it? Um, uh, no, I want uh, his ear too hard, all right, not to hear you. Amen. But he says it is these things, these things that have done what? That, that just doesn't allow him to hear you. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But what your iniquities have separated you, what? Between you and, and your God. And your sins have hid. So you have regarded those sins. You have marked those sins. You are piling it one upon the other. He says, Because of that, the Lord is not, has hidden his face from you and is not hearing us. So we cry unto him. We call upon him. We, we, you, you, you pray. You do all sorts. You can stand days, minutes, hours, and you are praying. Everybody knows. You yourself, you know, you have prayed. But God's word is saying that once you are regarding that thing, because it is right before you. It is right always in your face. You don't want to let go. Well, for whatever that he is, he says, God says that it is, it is always being exhibited. The thing is that he says, when even we confess our sins, God's word says he will forgive you and forget about it. He God, isn't it? And so why can't we trust him? And that is why I like Dave, David. <laughs> David is smart. And I always like anything that I read in the word, I sometimes want to check on some things and how David will put it. David being smart in Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God. Psalm 139, I think verse 23 and 24. He says, Search me, O God. Yeah. And know my heart. He says, Try me and know my thoughts. If there is anything that I'm regarding, if there is anything that I'm exhibiting, if there is anything that I've kept, he says, search me and, then, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David says, I want my cry to come before you. I want to be having that communication link with you all the time. I want to make sure that my prayer ascends unto you. So David in his smartness said, God, search me. Because I don't want to regard iniquity in my heart so that when I call on you, you don't hear me. 
Someone will think that, oh, this man prays, that woman prays, these people pray, and all sorts. You yourself, you think you stand, you pray. Brethren, that's why I said it's not anything and everything that sometimes we think that God hears. Because you've got to move in accuracy. And David was smart and said, search me, O God. Search me. And again, he, he was so smart in Psalm 51, I think verse 10 and 11. Again, he says, create in me a clean heart. Creating me what? A clean heart. Oh God. And renew. Then he says, and renew a right spirit within me. Renew, renew, renew a right, not a wrong spirit, but an accurate spirit that will line up with you within me. And then verse 11, what does it say? Cast me not away. From your presence. Why? Because iniquity when regarded, iniquity when exhibited, iniquity when it's before me will hide you from me. So he says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Hallelujah. To unconfessed sin, all that we do is we pile it up one after the other, one after the other. And what happens is that God does not hear our prayer. It hides God's face from us. This is not past. I don't have a printing press. This is God's word. Hallelujah. This is God's word. Amen. It, it, we, 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 we got to be smart. Not just confess it. No, please let me teach you this. Don't say, Lord, you know, I, I forgive or uh, 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 forgive me. This, this, this. But straight away you said, hmm, but. That's not what I'm talking about. Dealing with it in his presence. Because whilst you are doing that, you are still exhibiting that before God. Because God sees it in you. The next thing that I want us to move on, because we've got a lot of things to talk about, is doubt. So number one, unconfessed sin. Number two, doubt. Hebrews 11, 6 it's a scripture that, again, I'm sure we are all very, very familiar with. The fact that anyone that comes without faith is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's so true, isn't it? When we come before the Lord, we know that God is. I keep saying this in this church. He, 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 God was not. God will not. But God yesterday is. Today is and tomorrow will remain is. He is. And so this should keep us in such a way that anytime we pray, we should not doubt that God can be able to do it. Unless we don't know our God. And that is why in James chapter 1, you know, James chapter 1 from verse 5 through to 8, um, the, 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 the apostle James is trying to say that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally, and unbraideth um, um, not, and it shall be given him. Six, we're going to end at verse eight. But let him, and then he says, but let him ask in faith. Now, we read in Hebrews chapter six, verse, um, uh, Hebrews 11, 6, that we should, uh, 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 we should ask in faith, is because God is. So he says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You are not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, tossed. Amen? For let not that man, again, 
Let, for let not that man. Brethren, it's not everything that is demons. It is not everything that the devil is chasing us. Sometimes our prayers are not getting through because we doubt God ourselves. God has given us the power, the mandate to call upon him, but we doubt that God can do it. So he says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So it is you, your doubt, that is not making God bring the breakthrough. Amen? That is why he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all some, in all his ways. Today, this. Tomorrow, that. Oh, I don't know. I don't think. Because you can't make up your mind. A double-minded man he says that it's unstable. You're unstable. Because today somebody will come and say this and you're following tomorrow. Someone all the time to be moved to and um, tossed and um, uh, um, to and fro or tossed by the winds. This wind is blowing today. Someone comes and says this. Oh, is it? Tomorrow someone says, ah, tomorrow someone says all the time you're moved by the winds. And you see, God sees us, uh, your nature, your being and realizes that what do you stand for? There's someone in church. Amen? Everything. And you, you hear something on the news. So tomorrow, if that is the case, I'm not going to drink water again. Someone says, oh, tomorrow I'm not going to um, eat a, a pineapple again. It's, uh, it, it will come to a point you have nothing to eat. You begin to breathe air. And even someone who said the air is polluted. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? We need to come to a place where our minds are made up on things. God says a double-minded man is unstable, not in some ways. And it's not only in your prayer life, but in all your ways. So you, we need to come to a place to pray for the Lord to strengthen our faith in our walk with him and in everything that we do. Hallelujah. A story is told of this woman who lived nearby a landfill. And all the time seeing and, uh, and people filling you know, the, this, you know, this, the, the, this place with all sorts and the garbage that you know, is being burnt day in and day out. Her house was closer to that. And so she, she reading the word, knowing that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can be able to move the mountains, all right? Spend the whole night, one evening, praying. And praying and casting this land, land, landfill away. Praying, praying, praying. You know, she believing it. Believing it. And early in the morning, so of course, when she finished, she went to sleep. Because she knew that as she was praying, believing, you know, that God will hear her in the morning, this landfill, you know, everything, you know, God will move it. This is a mountain being moved from where he was to somewhere else. That is how her faith was. So early in the morning, she woke up and opened up her, uh, the, the, you know, opened the curtains and looking towards where the landfill is. And lo and behold, the landfill was still there. And then all of a sudden, he said, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it wouldn't go. I knew it. So why was she praying in the first place? Hallelujah. If she knew the landfill wouldn't move, if she knew that it was going to be there, why did she spend the whole night praying, casting it out? She herself said it. I knew it. So doubt is such a way that sometimes we are praying, but we think that God can do it. And doubt, you know, doubt causes us to question God's ability to meet our needs. Amen? Doubt makes us not trust God. And that is sin. That is why, remember, even Jesus, 
In Mark chapter 6 from verse 1 to 6, we realize that in Nazareth, his own hometown. Are you here with me, church? Jesus' own people, they could not be able to believe him, trust him in such a way that scripture says that he could not do many miracles in Nazareth. Are you here with me? And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. But coming from that place, that is where he should have done great and mighty things. Doubt, they doubted him. They doubted that because they've seen him from childhood. They've seen him living among them. They knew, the, the thing is that they knew his mother. They knew his siblings. And so that familiarity, that, that, that closeness made them, you see, you'll be amazed right now, you know, we, how we will be able to appreciate and, and, and look up onto uh, another man of God or a woman of God and, um, you know, see them and treat them like their assistant, what do you call it? And sometimes the ones that you have, you don't even, you don't want to even to listen to them. You don't even regard, you can't even receive from them because you have become too familiar with them. To the extent that you don't, you are not even afraid to be able to look down upon them. That is how sometimes it is. Doubt. Somebody in church. We stand in prayer and we are doubting. The woman was praying, casting out this landfill. But she knew. She said, I knew it. I knew it wouldn't move. But yet she was praying. And sometimes that is how our prayer is. So doubt is the, the, the other thing because you are praying. But yet God says a double-minded person would not receive anything from him. Is that not the word of God? Amen. Are you here with me? The next thing, number three, is guilt. Three. Guilt. Guilt towards God or guilt towards ourselves. Amen. Sometimes the guilt is related to the fear of being not forgiven by God. If you are here and you think that there's something you did yesterday, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago, and the enemy is still holding you, you know, what do you call it, um, a prisoner to that. If you have only genuinely, truly confessed, if you have really repented, confessed and repented and not going back to it, saying the same things, doing the same things, going to the same places, I can assure you that God has forgiven you. But sometimes it's the guilt as we stand before God, thinking that he hasn't done it. And even you haven't forgiven your own self. And that is a way whereby you are doubting whether God is able. God can do it. And today I pray that there will be liberation in our midst. Amen. In Romans chapter 8 verse um, 1 and 2 talks about the fact that therefore now there is no condemnation. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the but after the spirit so as long as you're not walking after that's what i'm saying you are not repeating the same thing you said oh forgive me i did that oh i'm so I, I, I repent i'm sorry for all the things i said about this that and the other but yet tomorrow when the conversation is raised you repeat the same things that you said you confessed or sometimes you even initiate it and sometimes you get into it you do it and your heart then you see you are still walking in that you know that dimension but verse 2 says for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. We need to come to a place whereby we understand this. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews 8.12. Hebrews 8.12. Because guilt can bring you before, 
his presence, and even sometimes when you have the ability to do whatever, you will not be able to do it simply because you feel God will not even hear. Amen? Hebrews 8, 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. If you only did repent, I'm not talking of just saying words and confessing certain things and going back doing the same thing. There are some things as I'm saying next time when it comes within your sphere, over the phone, in your presence, or whatever it's saying, I don't want to deal with this because I don't want that condemn. If God has been merciful to me, I don't want to repeat the same thing again. Hallelujah. But as you're enjoying it and moving in it, you see, sometimes it can hold you a prisoner. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. And 1 John 1, 8 and 9, we all know that scripture. Hallelujah. If, if, we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, isn't it? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 9, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So whatever that he is, we need to be able to come before the Lord. I don't know. 40 years ago, 60 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, whatever that yesterday, last week, as long as you are not going to go back into it, repeating it, doing it, walking in it, and you have really genuinely confessed, I want you to know that God has come through for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Because that is very, very important. Otherwise, the enemy will hold you captive. God has forgiven and forgotten your sin if only you have confessed it. And not being trans- the problem sometimes is we not being transparent with God and not being transparent with man. Are you here with me? That is the problem. The problem most of the time that constantly guilt. So it makes you think, even what is not there, you are always thinking, you move in that thing. When you see the person straight away, you are, you know, you are condemning yourself. Because you, you, you have brought, because you think, because you have not been transparent with God and you have not been transparent with man, you know that you are still in that place of guilt. And the enemy is using that to bring you to a place that you wouldn't like. The same thing happened to Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, you see, I, I think in 2 second, second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 and 8 through to 10, 2 Corinthians, uh, I'll come back to Judas Iscariot. 2 Corinthians chapter, yeah, from it says, For though I made you sorry for a letter, I do not repent. All right? Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle have made you sorry, though it, it were but for a season. Let's move on. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. So godly sorrow is leading us to a place of repentance and not just feeling I'm sorry and repeating the same thing. So he says, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Amen. And verse 10 says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So Judas Iscariot came to a place whereby you know, he, he, uh, he, he, after whatever, he, he took the money, seeing whatever has been done to the Lord, and he had been, you know, taken away. He felt, why did I do this? And wh- what is it for this, you know, amount of money that I have? 30 shekels of, of silver? He threw it, and instead of him having a godly sorrow, someone would say that to, to be able to fulfill scripture. But that is why the scripture is being read today to our hearing. So because if you don't do the same thing, you also move in that same dimension. He went, and the Bible said he hung himself. But Peter came to a place 
whereby when he wept and wept and wept, he was so filled with guilt, guilt, but the Lord came to him and three times had to speak to him. Do you love me more than these? Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Because guilt can make you in your walk with God, in your walk with man, nobody is saying anything, nobody has said, but all the time you are in a place whereby you think everybody is laughing at you. Everybody sees you in the particular because you have not been transparent with your own God and yourself and you want to cover things up and it does not bring healing. Now, let me blow your mind <laughs> Well, with the word of God. <laughs> Amen. In James, we read this scripture every day, but sometimes I don't think we get the real interpretation of it. Because, you know, the problem is... We quote scripture sometimes out of context and we quote scripture per line and not be able to relate, to it, relate it to life, uh, uh, the accuracy of his word. Amen? In James chapter 5, let's read from verse 15 through to 16. I'll show you a scripture that we preach about, we talk about every day, and I want to just give you an, an understanding about it concerning this aspect of guilt. And then we move on to the next um, uh, uh, um, hindrance. Not from verse 13, please, if you will. Amen? Is any, now watch this. It says, is any among you afflicted? What does he say? Oh, church. What does he say? Let him, what? If anyone is afflicted, let him do what? So which means the person is afflicted, but the person can pray. Is any merry? Let him sing what? Psalms. And then he comes to verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. That word sick there is not necessarily um, somebody that is sick like, um, you know what I'm talking about, sick. You know, somebody is sick like, you know, for a particular kind of sickness, whatever that, that, that Greek Aramaic where there's someone one that is weak or weary, at the same time it means sick, alright, but it's in a context whereby you are not only sick like, um, like headache or just any other thing, but it's in, there is a weakness, there is a weariness, there is a place that the enemy is dealing with, so he says that this thing is such that call for the elders of the church. You could have prayed yourself, but I want to show you something. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, watch this. The elders have come to pray for the one who is weary and the person who is sick or the person who is in that place. But earlier on, we said the one that is afflicted could pray. And being afflicted can be sickness, disease, anything. You could have also prayed. Then, let's move to verse um, 15. And now he says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That word save the sick is not heal. That is why he doesn't say heal the sick. But he says the word what? Save the That is, it will rescue the person. That, that the divine messianic judgment that was supposed to have come upon the person. Or the fiery darts 
of the enemy that were being thrown, when the elders have come and prayed, that person has been saved from that sphere of the fiery darts of the enemy that were being thrown at him or the judgment or the wrath of God that could have come because says, and you shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now watch this. The next verse really qualifies that. 16 now says, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. Now, what he's saying that in that atmosphere, when there is a confession, I've done this, forgive me. I'm really, we have been transparent and you have been transparent with me and we have confessed our sins. That in that environment, in that sphere, the enemy is not able to come and withhold us. And by us, we confess with one another and we pray for one another. There is healing and deliverance. There is restoration. There is that word, another word for save. There means rescue. That the Lord rescues us from the fiery darts of the enemy. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing? And so he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Because we are not in that contest of sin, but as we confess with one being transparent, that I've sinned, that for, forgive me, you have confessed, I've confessed my sin to you, you've confessed, you have become very transparent with one another. In that environment, Satan has no opportunity to be able to bring us down so that the judgment of God that was supposed to have come upon us does not come upon us. Is somebody catching what I'm sharing with you? So that aspect is what sometimes the enemy just wants us to cover things up. And we are not able to be transparent. We, and so the guilt, he puts us, he holds us in captivity. And the guilt takes us to a place whereby eventually it takes us, it brings sicknesses, diseases. And because the fiery darts in that environment, he's still throwing the fiery darts. Because we are in the environment where he can get us. But when we confess our faults with one another, we pray for one another, release one another from whatever that it is, the enemy's, uh, what do you call it, um, stronghold or, uh, or hold of our, li our lives is broken so that that judgment of God does not come upon us. That is what that scripture means. And Satan has taken advantage of us. That is why he says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So healing is not taking place among the body of Christ. Deliverance is not taking place. Rescue is not coming uh, over us in our churches, in our homes, in our marriages, among our schools, our nations, our communities, you name it, everywhere, because we are all being smart, and the enemy is using our smartness to, to destroy us. Is somebody catching what I'm sharing with you? Because he puts us in that place so that he can be able to always hold us captive. Because the fiery darts are constantly being thrown at us. So that, and the prayer shall save. It doesn't use the word heal. Shall save. That is rescue, deliver, restore. Take that person out of the divine messianic judgment that was supposed to have come upon him. And as you pray in righteousness, it avails much. Satan cannot hold us in, in a place of guilt because that is where he wants us to be. Because as long as you're not being transparent all the time, you're hiding something from the brother, from the sister, from the people. And all the time you are covering things up. And just like the, uh, the, 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 the raw are, the regard, we are always piling things upon things. And the enemy thinks, you see, you are thinking you are smart. You think that you are, you are, you are, you are, you are brilliant, but you don't know that Satan, that is a ploy. That's a strategic place for the enemy to hold you so that he can all the time be able to get at us and throw these darts upon us. 
And that is why sometimes we live defeated Christian lives. In our churches, in our homes, our marriages, our, our life, our health, our finances, our whatever. The enemy is destroying us because we have not become, you know, transparent. We have not confessed with one another. We have not come to the place whereby we have prayed for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be able to bring us, you know, restoration and rescue. And sometimes... Even in our churches and in our communities, we are thinking that we, 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 we have one against one the other. Little does you know, the enemy is using that weak point to be able to destroy us and bring us more down. Church, it is time for us to rise up in accuracy of God's word. We need to come to a place that certain things need to go. Are you here with me? Praise God. The next fourth one is fear. Let me move on because... Of time. Fear. First John chapter 4, verse 18. First John chapter 4 and verse 18. Hallelujah. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts, casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. Fear hath what? Oh, church, what did I say? Fear has torment. Anytime you are living in fear, you are living in torment. When we stand before God, God is our Father. We looked at that when we were dealing with this a few weeks ago, as Jesus taught the church. And if the Lord, we see, religiously, we have grown up and been taught that God is always sitting like God is like an old man who's having, uh, some, who's got some cane in his hand, waiting for us to trip so that he'll all the time whip us. We have come to a place that the reverence of God and the love of, many of us don't know the love of God. We talk about, please listen, there's a big difference between talking about God's love and knowing God's love. Most of the time we talk about this love, so that's why in prayer we are praying, but yet we don't know or believe that he can do it. But when we come to the place whereby we know of his love, we know that we are secured in him. And the enemy all the time will like us to walk in that place. And fear involves torment. Listen, there is no fear in love. Any false evidences that are appearing real in your love is trying to take your real love away. It gives you but if, what if, but what about all the time? And you're always not secured in your love. And that is where the enemy again places us. Just listen. It is not everything that we think Satan is chasing us from the outside. But from within, the battle is going on. And we need to be able to overcome that. That is a torment that most of us need to pray. That God, we need to be able to overcome that. Because if you are fearful or afraid to ask God for anything. Because you think he has something against you. I don't know why you are, you are here, even on earth, anyway. Praise God. Because anywhere and everywhere you go, he sees you. Amen. And he knows you. And fear will block your faith. Fear will block your prayer. And you become ineffective in prayer. Because you cannot be able to stand in his presence. You cannot be able to stand. Perfect love casts out fear. If you are in love, if you are in love with God, if you're walking anywhere there is fear in love, there is a problem. Hallelujah. 
And you need to make sure that that is dealt with. Satan has a stronghold. You cannot come to a place to justify that because Romans 5, 9 talks about one thing. One thing that Romans 5, 9 talks about in this aspect is about the justification by his blood. For instance, much more than being now justified by his blood. Nothing else can justify my fear towards God. Why? Because I'm now, I've now been justified by his blood. And then we say, we shall be saved from, from wrath through him. Are you catching what I'm sharing with you? Amen? The, the love of God justifies, the blood of the Lord justifies that. And I can stand in his presence in prayer, knowing that he will hear me because he's my father. Praise God. The next thing is the misguided request. Number five. Number five. I'll be moving fast, don't worry. Misguided request. That is the faith one. There are a lot of requests that we bring before the Lord that is misguided. We come before God, we stand in prayer. We come before the Lord, we stand and we pray. We pray, we pray, we pray, and we think we have prayed. We have, you know, we, we, we call in, in all sorts of things and we roll around and we, we do everything. But most of the prayers are misguided. And listen, church, most of the prayers that we pray endangers our own lives and others. I'm going to show something to you. Because those prayers are misguided. It endangers your own life and others. It endangers your own community, your own, your own church, your own home. Your, I can go on and on and on and on. Amen? Let's look at Mark chapter 10 quickly, please. Read it from verse 35 to 40. Mark chapter 10. And James and John, we all know the story, isn't it? What they came to ask of the Lord was a request. All right? The two brothers came. The same thing is said in Matthew. When the mother, in Mark, Mark's gospel, I think it's the two, the two of them came. But I think in Matthew, the mother, it shows that the mother too, the mothers were showing interest in that. I, saw that in, I think in Matthew, it was the mother herself who came and said, Master, let these sons of mine, one sit here and one sit there. And the Lord was saying that, let's read it. Master, we, we, we will that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we should desire. Alright? Um, 36, let's move on. And he said unto them, what will ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left in, the glo in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. So most of the time we don't know what we are really even asking because it's the prayer is misguided. He says, Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I, uh, that I am baptized with? Because... They were asking, let me see. All that they're looking for was the glory. Let me sit at one end here and my brother, not me here and Peter, or me here and Nathaniel, and me here and Philip, but me and my brother. <laughs> my brother sits on this, your left or I'll sit on your right. And so the Lord said, you, are, you don't know what you are asking. And most of the time, our prayers are misguided. We, we come before the Lord and we... We, 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 we seek and pray and do all sorts. But the thing is that those prayers are clearly misguided. Look at, you see, after the disciples had their request, you know the animosity that came between them. Who do you think you are? They were all not happy. What about us? So sometimes those things, the aftermath is more dangerous. Let me show you one thing and you also get this. Luke chapter 9, 
Luke chapter 9, from verse 49 to 56. Luke chapter 9, from verse 49 to 56. Quickly, and John answered and said, Master, please, this is very interesting. Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. Now watch that. He is not with us. So why is he using your name? Let's move on. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not, for he that is not against us is for us. But let's move on. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now watch this interesting thing. And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him. Now, now watch this. Church, they did not do what? Receive him. He sent people ahead about his triumphant you know, entry, but these people decided not to receive him, right? Because his face was as though uh, he would go to um, Jerusalem. Now, watch, let, move on. And when his disciples, James, and again, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus did something, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you know, you, you know not what manner of spirit ye are of. They were going to call for thunder or what, fire and what? What were they going to call? Fire and what? To, fire, to, to come, come down. So you see how sometimes we stand in prayer because they haven't received you. You are not happy about it. You are calling for fire to come and do what? Consume them. And the Lord was saying that you don't know what spirit you are made of. Basically, you see, 56. 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy what? Listen to that. For what? For the Son of Man is not come to do what? Destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went into another village. Oh, come on. Is the church here with me? Oh, come on. I said, is the church here with me? Our misguided prayer is such that sometimes we need to be very, your emotions and the little information or knowledge you have or your will or whatever that is, you should be very, very, very careful in, in that manner. You see, have you realized something? I think Psalm 106. Um, let's look at Psalm 106. I'll show you something. Um, verse 13 through to 15. Psalm 106. I'm sure. Yeah. They, they soon for, forgot his works. Watch this. They waited not for his counsel, but lasted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Now, watch 15. And he gave them their request. Church, Please, listen to this. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. If you go to Leviticus, uh, I think it's in Numbers chapter 14, or, uh, uh, or Leviticus chapter 14, if you go and study this, you know what I'm talking about. They were being given the, the, the uh, whatever, the food and what, what have you that was being given to them, right? And at the point, they were not happy. Ah, oh, we come from Egypt. You know, we want this, we want that. We want, we want, we want. was going on plenty. Amen. And they were crying unto God. We want this, you know. Get, and the Lord gave them their request. Oh, church, are you here with me? God gave them what they said they wanted. But the Bible said, 
but he sent leanness into their soul. That, that leanness, the word leanness refers to physical emaciation, but the spiritual leanness was far more devastating. Because you see, the thing is, you can get what you want. You can get what you are saying you are praying for. Uh, because I, I'm not happy with, with this, the community, my, 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 my manager, my, my this, my that. I'm not. And so you pray certain prayers, you get what you want, but you will leave the consequences for the rest of your life. You, you will begin to experience some things that you are praying. That's why he says that you, you are, he said leanness because he granted them their request, but his grant, there was leanness in their soul. Hallelujah. It, oh, no, is somebody in church. Misguided prayer. Amen. Misguided prayer. There are certain things that are happening in certain communities, certain environments, certain because you, talk, you think you can pray. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then we call for thunder. We call for this. We do that because of wherever we are. We, you know, we, 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 we go on and on and on. And the Bible said the Lord granted that request. But even coming with the request came with the consequence as well. Amen. You think that it's only going to be him. But it's going to be you as well. You think it's going to be them, but it's going to be you as well. You're going to be in that environment. You're going to be, brethren, we need to, that's why we, 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 we go to come to a place, as I'm saying, to pray in accuracy. Don't let things just move you to speak, say things. I was studying, I'm, I'm studying the book of John. I've read that book over and over and over. But this week, I read the same thing that I learned. But it, 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 I sat back, I began making notes, and I said, wow. I've read that over and over. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isn't it? Isn't it? And the Word was God. You read throughout to verse 3. It talks about that, you know, that which became life. And you realize that in, John's, uh, in Genesis, the same Word that was spoken, all right, the same was what brought the creation. Did, didn't I know this? I knew this. But in John's word, he said, so be very, the things that are released, the things that are spoken forth, the creative abilities, those that comes out of your mouth are very, very important. So your misguided prayer, you can get all that you want. You are praying and the Lord said they, they, in this instance, uh, well, in John and James, he asked them, you don't know what kind of spirit you are made of. So, so there are some things when you are doing, there are some prayers when you are praying, it shows the kind of spirit you are made of. That's why the Lord was saying, you don't know what kind of spirit you are made of. It shows clearly. And number two, it shows your heart disposition. And you know, your, it sets up your mind disposition. It knows the kind of person you are. So he told them, you guys, you don't know what is made of you. Because, and he says, even he did not come to destroy man, he came to save. Amen? So we, we need to understand that uh, misguided, uh, misguided request, as you are calling down fire, as you are calling up for, for meat, and constantly God will grant you the meat. Oh, Lord, I know people who were, Lord, let me get Lamborghini Countach. And God gave them Lamborghini Countach. But every day they were having problems with it. I'm not going to talk about the problems. You can imagine. Amen. It's just for you to understand what I'm talking about. Oh, I want this. You go, but you see, you, we have gone for things and eventually for some of us, it has destroyed our ministries. Oh, come on. Is church here with me? Because you wanted to be seen. Lord, I want to go on radio. I want to go on... T well, we are on radio. We are. 
I want to go on TV. I want to do this. I want to. But you see, I was reading about the man of God. They were doing so well. But because they entered into his television, whether it was time or not, or they didn't have wisdom or whatever, he was confessing. And he said, he was telling the young up and coming that be careful you don't repeat. That's why I'm sharing this. Because I wouldn't have. He was saying that we should not repeat the same because now the church fans are full of the various the suits. If you look at the diverse, the, uh, the, 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 the brands, all right? If you, the, the, if you look at the wardrobe, he spends... He said the time that he spends dressing up or the makeup before he goes on screen is even less than the time that he spends praying. I'm just trying to share with you. You know, uh, uh, brethren, there is, it's not, you see, people, but at the same time, there are people who are on the television, people who are doing well, and they are not going through the same stress. Are you understanding what I'm sharing you? Because they have known how to manage it. What I'm trying to share with you, as you're praying for things, you've got to be very careful because you can be able, you get that. But the consequence is that you're either going to lose your ministry, your home, your business, your children, your whatever. I'm, I'm just sharing these things with you. You've got to understand. It's not everything that is out there that we just got to jump out for. God may grant that request, but be very careful. I've spent too much time here. Let me move on. Verse 6. Unresolved conflicts or broken relationships between, you know, families, you know, friends, churches, you name it. And no point, there's no point even praying if you are in constant engagement in conflict with people, you know, uh, and you're not resolving it. You know, because we see this scripture, um, I think two or three weeks ago, um, when we're praying, um, we used that scripture during the intercession time earlier on in the morning. I think by Joe too was using, using the same thing. Matthew chapter 5, 23 to 24. The fact that even if you come to give an offering and straight away you know that there is something, you know that there is something wrong between you and your brother. It says, leave it and go and do what? Make amends. Because you know that that offering, you are getting no results back out of it. And brethren, we come to the place where there is always constant you know, unresolved conflicts, unresolved conflicts. And the enemy keeps us at that place, making us think that, you know, we, 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 you are right to feel the way and manner you are feeling. You are right to think the way and manner you are thinking. You are right to do what you are doing. But all that is doing, you see, have you realized it is not bringing us together as a church to pray in unity to be able to bring the kingdom of the devil down? Are you understanding what I'm saying? But the devil makes sure that he places us there so that, we know, we are justified in that and so that we cannot be able to terrorize his kingdom. And these things are things that even when in that state, we are, again, in 1 Peter 3, 7, sometimes we think it's only husbands, but it's spouse, both men and the woman. The way a man, you know, we, we, we look, it says, likewise, ye husbands, all right, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being us together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So our prayers can be hindered. Our prayers can be hindered. You can stand and pray. You can do all sorts. But God is saying that that prayer is getting nowhere. It's getting nowhere. Of course, there are those who will always hold on to offenses till the day they die. No matter what you say. If you want the Holy Ghost to come and knock their door, they'll tell the Holy Ghost to go away. Because they are adamant. Because of what they think they have a right to. But you see, that is only a strategy of the enemy to bring you to a place where he dispossesses whatever that you have in your hand and the territories that you can be able to take. Oh, is somebody here with me? 
Are you sure you are here with me? Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not what? Yourselves. Don't say that I will avenge. Don't vengeance, don't vengeance is of the Lord. Amen. But rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, see the Lord. Don't ever sit down and calculate and say that, ah, no, vengeance is of the Lord. Leave it unto the Lord. You need to come to a place to grow up in that aspect. Amen? Come to that place. Vengeance is of the Lord. Amen. Number seven. Number seven. Bitterness. Bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. He says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And now look at 15, looking diligently. Now watch the scripture. Lest any man fail. That man, that word man there is mankind. Not only male like the gender, Amen. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And thereby many be defiled. Bitterness. Bitterness is a, long, is a result of a long-term unforgiveness. It becomes like a cancer of the soul. Making us resentful, fearful, and unbelieving. You don't believe anything. You resent anything and everyone around you. You are fearful. Listen, there is a long-term unforgiveness that has taken place. And you see, as I was praying through this, the Lord showed me something early this morning. He was saying that most of the time, and that is something that I, I, I learned. If I'm, I'm bitter towards you, it's, the, the bitterness is not necessarily just you. It didn't begin just you. It has, there, it has begun a long time. With someone else. Something else. It can be from your childhood. It can be from your youthful ages. It can be from your adult. Whatever something can be for weeks, months, years, something. So yours have just come. So uh, because something has not has, has developed and let not, uh, not go and has stayed there, yours has come to be a fruit. Now what he says, let any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And I'm going to show you why. See, bitterness has a dangerous root. And the word root there conveys a picture of a tree or any tree that has a large span and grows, that grows mighty and provides shade or fruit. That, fruit, that tree may have a, a root system which is invisible, isn't it? Underground. That is um, significantly larger than the tree itself. But the thing is that the tree... This root has, there is a big tree at the back of our house, right? There's a big tree at the back of our house. But I can guarantee that if we are to trace the root, the root goes as far and wide as it can. Amen? So the scripture is saying that the bitterness has come to a point whereby the root goes deep, deep. So all the other things like anger, resentment, and everything that is coming on is from that root that is being fed. That has grown and has become so mighty so that any other thing is hinging on that. And he says that is dangerous. Amen. Because 
It keeps detailed logs of offenses. Amen? Bitterness makes you not see beneath the surface of your soul. The root of bitterness grows deeper and deeper and deeper. It produces a poisonous fruit. Hallelujah. You know, it doesn't just defile you. That is why it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, not just you, and thereby many be defiled. So that poison is not just defiling you, but that poison is defiling many others. Listen, anybody who is bitter, when you go near that person, that poison will also affect you. It will, it, 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 they become a virus. You also pick up from there. And then you also begin to let it root. By the time you realize, you've also become a bitter person. And you go to the bitter person because that is what it is. That is, that is the poisonous nature of bitterness. It defiles many. It, when you come around, by the time you realize, I, I wasn't like that, but now you are beginning to be something that you know, certain thoughts, certain ideas, you are moving in that direction. Why? Because that root of bit, that poison has inflicted you, has become, have be, you know, spiritually has taken root. And the main aim is to bring destruction. And it, that's why it, and it says, it, it, bitterness bringing up, troubling you, and thereby many be defiled. For you, you are being troubled, for by many, they are being defiled. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? One bitter person can cause everyone around him or her to feel likewise. And it destroys unity. It destroys love. It destroys trust among even the entire group. It is the hardest thing to see in the mirror. Because all the time you don't see yourself, you see others. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Amen? Because it makes you feel justified by being bitter. Let's look at 1 John 2, 9. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. And then we'll look at chapter 3, verse 15. It says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Chapter 3, verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. You just hate. You see, that's why last time I was telling you that in the Old Testament, it is only when you kill that you are under the law. But in the New Testament, by even thinking about it. <laughs> Amen. Who sort of hated his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. If you are even thinking and having that spirit, you don't have... You, 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 I'm, I'm lost for words. Hallelujah. Amen. We cannot have, you know... You know, we, we cannot heal, we cannot be healed from that which we are unwilling to acknowledge. And bitterness is neither consistent or rational. A bitter person is his own worst enemy. Bitterness indicates a hidden hatred. That's why I'm saying that it is not starting from you. Um, for instance, uh, Maureen, if I'm, I begin to get bitter towards you, it is something because maybe another woman, another lady, another friend, another workmate, a brother, a sister, uh, somebody has already... No, there's something underlying. It is not just straight away. It can, and we don't deal with the root of these things. That is why he's talking of the root, root, root. Don't just cut the stump. It is a root. Make sure that root is taken off. Hallelujah. Bitterness indicates a hidden hatred. And when you hold bitterness, it goes to the very source of your life and it dries it up. You don't only affect your spiritual life, but mentally, socially, and physically. We are bitter towards God. 
We are bitter towards ourselves. We are bitter towards our loved ones and people around us. And we receive God's love every day. We receive God's mercy every day. We receive God's forgiveness every day. But withhold from extending the same love, mercy, and forgiveness unto others. Imagine how you want God to strike that man. God, if God has struck you yesterday or even at that same time, sometimes you go and sleep and you want something, you know, you think you have fulfilled it. But you see, in your sleep, you don't even know how you slept and you know how you've woken up. Is somebody here with me? God is sharing with us that these things just destroy our prayer and holds us back. A person cannot enter prayer with bitterness and come out with any blessing. Because forgiveness allows your heart to be made um, not only right, like we saw about David, but even light. You are not just right, but you are light. Hallelujah. And remember, a few um, months ago when I was talking about the Holy Spirit, I just shared with you that it is only the dove and the pigeon or dove and uh, yeah, another bird that don't have a bile. And the Holy Ghost, when he uses a symbol, all right, of the dove, he's telling us as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit cannot reside in you and bitterness cannot stay because the Holy Ghost don't have a bile, any bitter thing within him. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? We need to ask the Lord to grant us grace because it's an area that the enemy... You see, brethren, when people fall under the power, when people are being touched, when people are rolling and God is touching us and all of us, we fall under the power, let us arise from wherever we fall, we fell from with a new dimension. Some, you should move on to another, another level. Don't ask you are rising up and you are still thinking, hey, when I get him. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? There should be a grace... That will move us. Other than that, all these things, you see, brethren, we, that's what I'm talking of accuracy. We, we are looking, I'm praying that the power, like we are praying this morning, the power of God falls upon this house. We all begin to exhibit God's amazing power as we go around. But when God is using us or others or using you know, us to bring a blessing, there should be a change. There should be a change. Hallelujah. Number eight. I'll, I'll finish very soon. Number eight. Or you want me to sit down? Let me just finish. <laughs> Hallelujah. Idols. Idols. And this is also very, very important. Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 14. Sometimes we say that, oh, but I'm a Christian. I don't have idols in my house. I don't have statues in my house. The idols should not necessarily be statues and images. He says, son of man, these men, we're going to go on to verse 8. From, now to, from verse 3 to verse 8. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity. This scripture is so powerful. Please, let's, let's get it. Stumbling block um, of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Should I? When they have got all these idols and things in their heart, no matter anybody says, you hold it, you cherish it. You know, you are so secured in that because you have used that over the years and you think you are smart in that or certain things that you will not let go. It doesn't matter when the Holy Ghost speaks to you. He said, this thing is not going. God, the Lord is saying that, should I? No, let's continue. Therefore, speak unto them and say unto them, that saith the Lord God, every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. <laughs> that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged, 
from me through their idols. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, that saith the Lord God, repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away from your faces from all your abominations. For every one of the house of Israel or of the stranger that sojourneth in Israel, which separateth himself from me and setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to your prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. Now watch it. He says, you leave it. I will answer by myself. But now watch the last verse 8. And I will set my face against that man and will make him a sign and a proverb and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Basically, what the Lord is saying that that thing that you have cherished so much, that is making you, you know, you, you, it's causing problems. You know, you don't care the, the havoc that it will bring onto the church. You don't care the havoc that it will bring into your home. You don't care about the havoc that it will bring into your workplace. You don't care about the havoc that it will bring into your neighborhood. You don't care about the havoc. You don't, because you believe in it, you hold on to it because you cherish That is who you think you are. God is saying that those things, and it can be a car, it can be, it can be your life, it can be an, uh, whatever, uh, whatever that is an idol that you have set in your heart that you don't want to let go. The Lord says he's going to deal with it according to that which you have held as an idol in your own heart. That is a dangerous thing. Oh, is somebody here with me? And he says, why would I listen to you when they stand before me? I'll deal with them based on that. Hallelujah. Let me move on because I want to finish this. Number nine, unforgiveness. I don't think I have to talk much about that because all of us are Bible students here and we know that. Amen. Matthew 6.14, Matthew 6.14, and then Matthew 5.23 to 24, which I did mention earlier on. And I said, don't even attempt of sweet revenge because there is nothing, I don't believe, that there is anything that you get out of that. As a believer, no. Amen. You know, if we, if we have moved in that dimension, if we have done all those things, you ask Lord, the Lord to forgive us. Let's walk away from that. If that is not something, because you see, there is nothing in it. Hallelujah. You see, unforgiveness becomes a memorial. When you don't forgive, it becomes a memorial. It stands between, before you every day and God. Because anytime you come before Him, because you haven't forgiven, right? It is like we are doing, if I regard iniquity in my heart, isn't it? You, it is being seen. It has become a memorial, and God sees that. Because anytime you come before him, he sees that before him, and he says that because you have been forgiven, I can't forgive you because that which is has become a memorial. We want, to, we want to build a memorial. That is not what we want to build before God. That is not what we want to build before God. Hallelujah. Because, like in Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray, you lose the kingdom, you lose the power and the glory. What I mean by that is that you will not be able to experience the kingdom power, you will not be able to experience the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen? Those who do not forgive are usually, you know, constantly in that place that they feel that we are all right, we are justified in doing that. Amen? What sets you above your enemy is forgiving him. Did you hear what I just said? What sets you above your enemy? What sets you above whoever has hurt you is forgiving the person. You are above that individual. Hallelujah. Because taking revenge makes you equal or even to your enemy. I want to show you something. Just give me a few minutes. I'll sit down. 
write these scriptures down, and I'll just quickly go through it because of time. Second, Second Samuel chapter 17, verse 23 to 25, and then um, I'll come to the other. We all know of Ahitophel, isn't it? Oh, church, are you here with me? Ahitophel, we know the man had such great wisdom and counsel and all that. And he was a great um, uh, um, counselor to, what's his name? Um, um, King David. He could give David all sort of counsel and everything that, you know, supposedly you know, will help him. Please, I'll be finishing soon. But I just wanted to finish it so that next week, God willing, we can move on to the next. But these, two, these points, you need to catch this. Please listen to this. Ahithophel took his own life. Please, church, I'm not reading it, but I've written, I've written it down. This man of God, um, no, um, se- no, no, not 23. Second Samuel chapter, um, uh, chapter 17, from 23 to 25. Yeah, yeah. He decided to take his own life. You know why? Because a counsel that he gave to David, King David, was not taken. And so this man, out of pride, not sometimes when you talk about David, no, they didn't take my counsel, they didn't take my advice, they didn't, or whatever that he is, like Ahitophel, because of his great wisdom and counsel and all that, he decided out of pride, not allowing forgiveness to take place, for whatever reason, at the end of the day, it was just a counsel. David was not under no obligation to take it by force. But he allowed unforgiveness to fill his heart to the extent that when he came home, because his counsel was not taken, pride filling him, he just went to his own house, set his own house in order, and hanged himself. Because of unforgiveness. Because he could not forgive what David had done. And he could not forgive. Sometimes some things lead us to certain places. Unforgiveness, if you don't watch it, can take you to a place. You think you may be right. Because he was, and at the point when he was killing himself, couldn't he have stopped? But yet he still felt right and justified to do that. And that is what the enemy does. He drives you to a place. He makes you feel so justified in where you are, thinking that you are right in doing what you do. He was so unforgiving that Ahithophel just took his own life because that pride in him felt that, why? He said that I can take a, give a counsel to King David, and he wouldn't take it. And he drove, he drove him to, to, to his own death. Now write this one, what this one's down because I won't read it. Second Samuel, the same second Samuel chapter 13. Second Samuel chapter 13 from verse 21. Uh, or, uh, yeah, yeah, from verse 21 through to the end. And, and then um, chapter 15, verse 1, and then chapter 18, verse 9 to the end. All that I want to share there is about Absalom. We all know Ab- Absalom. Absalom, that which happened to his sister Tama wasn't right. We all know that it wasn't right. But you see, Absalom, for what happened to the sister, please watch this. That same time, the Bible said for two years, Absalom held this onto his heart and he was still plotting and planning to make sure that the brother Amnon was killed. To the extent that he did everything possible to bring Amnon alongside, he begged his father, just like Cain. He begged his father and brought him to the, uh, his brother Amnon to the place whereby they killed Amnon. But that was not the end. When you read it all to the, um, to the scriptures I've given you, eventually Absalom, that which he plotted because of unforgiveness towards his brother Amnon, because of what had took place, eventually that same unforgiveness, all right, he himself, his own mule or whatever, killed him. Oh, come on. Is the church understanding what I'm sharing with you? 
Because unforgiveness. And see, what, what really shocked me was that for two years, he was still plotting and planning just because of that. I won't use the word just because it was something that had done that hurt him. But the thing is that he was prepared not to forgive. And whatever he did, he harbored even hatred towards his own father that he wanted to revolt. He caused a coup. And when he went and his father, you know, didn't, wasn't he, uh, happy about what he did, David wasn't happy. As a matter of fact, Absalom in any case was supposed to have been the next in line. But because of that, having rejected him and the earth was not prepared to hold any place for him because of unforgiveness. Oh, is the church here with me? Finally, I've come to the final place so that we can close. Hallelujah. As for selfishness, we also know that it can stop our prayer. Our prayer life has been centered on, on our wants and our needs. Amen? Is it James chapter 4? That talks about the fact, what does James chapter 4 um, talks about the fact that we want and we don't get what we get, we don't want whatever because I think James chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 is it? For whence come wars and fightings? Yeah, ye ask and receive not, right? So you are asking and you are receiving not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Amen. Basically, when you are selfish, we stand in prayer. You know the prayers we are praying. You want this, you want that, and God. It's all because of your selfishness. Sometimes we want God, even in the ministry. You know, God use me. All in our homes, in our in our workplaces, in our communities, in our churches, in our neighborhood. Church, we don't have to come to a place. Oh Lord, use tower of faith so that the whole of the community knows that we too we have arrived. You know that is not the kind of prayer. Amen. Or so that people will begin to know this, that, and the other. Brethren, selfishness. As a matter of fact, has someone ever in life ever told you you are a selfish person? Amen? Then please sit back and listen and watch out. Look at where. What is it the person saw? What is it? Because selfishness in human life, every one of us has some selfishness in us. But as it's going on and on and on and on, we need to come to a place to ask ourselves, what is it? You see, Judges chapter 5, verse 23. This scripture is so powerful. Judges 5, 23. Watch this. Curse ye more, uh, uh, Mirox, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof. You see, it was not just one person, but even the inhabitants of the land. He says, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. That is to say, they were only keeping to themselves. It is what me, whatever, sometimes you'll be talking to people, someone wants to engage in something with you, it is what he will get. It's what he's interested in. And no matter what he will get, he will make sure that he twists and do anything and everything possible about what he will get. You see, God looks upon that and that's he said, curse ye, morals. Amen. That is what, how God sees these sort of things. God does not want us go through those routes. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, are you here with me? You see, we shouldn't be programmed in Babylon and have no interest in Zion. But most of the times we are programmed in Babylon, the mindsets of Babylon, but yet we say we are in Zion and we want the blessings of the Lord. It does not happen like that. Hallelujah. Hosea chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. Quickly, and then I'll be bringing it to a close. Hosea chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. Ephraim. You see, Ephraim was blessed. But listen, it says, Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim was blessed. 
But he came to a place that he had mixed himself among the people, especially with the mixed multitude, if you read the Old Testament. Because we are, uh, uh, sorry, uh, um, if you read um, Genesis, you understand this more. Ephraim is a cake, not turned. <laughs> Amen? The cake is burning, and it's not turned. But listen to verse 9. Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, yet he knoweth not. Basically, you are growing in age, but you are not learning anything. He's having gray hair. Day in and day out, you are in church. Day in and day out, you come for prayer meeting, meet with Bible study, dinner prayer, church service, everything. You, are, you can give yourself the, the, the age in which you have been in church and whatever, but you have not grown in the things of the Lord. He says, you are not turning. It's all about you. Hallelujah. He says, Ephraim, you've come to that place. It has just been you. And say, because of the strangers have devoured his strength. Amen. Experience is not the best teacher as sometimes they always say. Because if you don't learn out of it, then you have, it has not become a teacher. Are you catching what I'm sharing with you? And sometimes... These things, we don't learn to repeat the same things, but we learn and grow and become better people. That is why the Bible said that, you see, I've been, out this week I've been looking at this scripture and I'm yet to do more, so don't go and begin to send doctrines away. I don't want any unbaked doctrines around, all right? But the bit whereby the, 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 Lord's, uh, the scripture says that and the, and the boy Jesus grew in, 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 favor, in favor with God and man. The thing is that, you see, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I said, don't go and begin to preach it, this thing anywhere because I haven't. But I'm just sharing something I'm, I'm looking into. You see, spirits, I'm sure, don't come when we are born. Our spirits are not babies. Are you catching what I'm sharing with you? Our, our bodies are small. Our souls are already formed. But, of course, we are growing, getting the information and everything in. But, you see, as we grow, the Spirit of God, that the breath that came upon, uh, what's his name, for instance, Adam. Of course, Adam, I'm sure, was already a grown-up man when he was made because he didn't come from the mother's womb. Amen? But the thing is that as you grow in stature with favor with God and man, you begin, as you lean on the Spirit of God, the information from God, your spirit man that is able to have a link with God is able to feed you to be able to walk in the righteousness of God. But don't go and start preaching this anywhere until I know what, I've studied it in, 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 and know what I'm talking about. Amen? But you understand what I'm talking about? Because babies, a baby may be a baby, but it doesn't mean that his spirit is... You see, when God called, um, what's his name? This young man. Samuel. Look at the age, but yet God called him. Some of us even at tender ages, the Lord spoke to us. But why at that time, we haven't yet grown to be able to reconcile the message from God. That's why we need teachers to be able to help us until we have grown up in maturity to be able to know what the Spirit of God is telling us. Are you catching what I'm sharing with you? And we need to learn out of these things. We can't continue. To, that's why the Bible says, when we are supposed to have been chewing bones, we are still uh, uh, um, taking in milk. But sometimes selfishness can bring you to that place. All that you think of is yourself. 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 Listen, let me finish. <laughs> because the Holy Ghost will give you the understanding. Let me finish with this. What I was going to, uh, to open up a new 
another 15, 20 minutes. I don't want to do that. Have you realized, let me finish with this. Have you realized that most of our parents, church, oh, are you here with me? I'm finishing, so just put a smile on your face. Have you? Somebody smiled and brought a memory of, all right. <laughs> Amen. Our parents didn't pray in tongues, maybe like how you do. Our parents maybe didn't, some of them just went to church Christmas, uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day and when someone is being baptized and things like that. Some of us, our parents didn't used to do, know all the scriptures that we did. Have you realized that, listen church, I've been teaching on this and I'm closing with this. Hindrances to our prayer or barriers to our prayer. Some of our parents who did not even know the realities of the new creation realities that you and I have and the word. Certain doors have opened for them because like Cornelius, a man who didn't know God, his arms, his goodness, his heart, that was searching and wanted and knew the things of God, how clean he was, opened doors for God to stop or awake a, 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 the apostle to go and visit his house. And God visited their home because Although the man hadn't yet got saved, the man was not yet filled with the Holy Ghost, but his heart was so clean, genuine, that God, looking at the man who hadn't yet got into contact with Jesus and giving his life unto the Lord, God visited him. Many of us, our parents, as I'm saying, never, but yet doors were opened for them and doors were opened for you and for us. But some of us, that we are speaking in tongues and blasting and chasing devil from where? From the other junction to the other highway. Are rather closing the doors. Because our hearts are filled with all sorts. How I wish and pray that God will visit me. That God will visit you. That God will visit us. So that we move onto the very accurate walk and perceptions that God wants us to be. So that our prayers will be answered. Hallelujah. This is key.